There is a cliff going to happen, and it's happening in most engineering organizations. When I came out at 16, STEM careers for a gay person were very intimidating. They were very masculine driven, they were very conservative. It is no secret that Australia is facing a critical engineering skills shortage. My previous employer prior to joining Atkins, when I got the job at Atkins and I was talking to my old line manager, um, he turned around and said, well, I'm really surprised. Why would a company like that offer a, a job to someone like you? This isn't just engineering. Gareth Thomas, former Wales rugby captain. But I'd like to think where we go in on this journey of, of education and breaking stigma around HIV is something that will have a legacy everlasting. Like. Katie Neves, transgender photographer. The biggest fears of it was just of not being accepted, you know, you know, losing friends, losing family, losing my business, um, losing my whole reputation, uh, losing my income. Many of the best creatives and business people who, although supremely qualified and talented, were turned down over and over as executives at major corporations because they were female or because of racial disparity. The question is, how do we reach and inspire the next generation of engineers? The industry undertakes STEM outreach in schools, it runs career fairs at universities, and it furnishes graduate programs and apprenticeships, all to attract and retain the best people. But companies still can't get enough staff. The Institution of Engineering and Technology reports that half of all engineering companies experience difficulties with the skills available in the labour market and 71% experience an internal skills gap among their own workforce. The industry needs to make sure it's doing everything it can to appeal to a broad pool of talent. Please continue to be the voice for the voiceless. Never forget, we can disagree in a way that is productive to arrive at decisions that foster real change. And if you make a mistake, that's okay too but we all have a responsibility to hold ourselves accountable and change. Hello and welcome to Engineering Matters. I'm Jane Sophia. And I'm Alex Conacher. For this episode, we've partnered with Atkins to learn about allyship. You heard a range of voices in the introduction, CEOs, athletes, musicians. And that's because this is everyone's challenge. Allyship can have a positive impact on the lives of employees and company morale. Allyship is any effort by an organisation or group to advance the interests of marginalised groups. This could be within the organisation itself or more broadly. In this episode, we will see how the impact that positive forms of allyship can have on employees and morale within a company is incredible. We will learn about some of the learned experience of a company that's already made strides down this path and some useful tips it's picked up on the way. And how its employees are better for it. However, it is all very well talking about these ideas from a business point of view, from 30,000 feet looking downwards. But ultimately, this is a story about people, their experiences, their perceptions. And the issues they face. One of the voices from the intro is that of Jake Master. 
He's one of the marketing managers working in the UK transportation business in Atkins and is a co-chair of the Transportation Allies programme. One of my first experiences of racism was in the 70s when I was growing up and I was at school. Um, and I think I was about five at the time. And someone in the playground came in one day and said, my mum said you're brown because you don't wash properly. And, and I'd never heard anything like that before. And so I went home from school and I was in the bath and my mum had finished cleaning me and said, oh, you can get out of the bath now and get changed ready for bed. And I was like, no, but mum, I'm not clean. I'm still brown. Because that comment had made me think that the reason I was brown is because I was dirty. And my mum kind of said, what made you say that? And I explained what had happened and who had said that to me and she kind of then explained that actually you're of Indian origin you're meant to be brown it's not dirt don't listen to that conversation or that comment and that was my first experience of racism as I said I was about five and those things were tolerated in the 70s imagine being told at five years old that someone thought you were unclean that you were dirty because of a feature as natural and fundamental to your body as your height, your shoe size, as the colour of your eyes. This isn't even a problem that belongs just to the 70s. It persists and creates barriers even in the working world. My previous employer prior to joining Atkins, when I got the job at Atkins and I was talking to my old line manager, um, he turned around and said, well, I'm really surprised. Why would a company like that offer a, a job to someone like you? And he didn't say anything, you know, overtly, but reading in between the lines, the implication was, why would a predominantly white engineering company want to employ someone from, a, from in, an Indian origin? And that kind of stuck. But as I say, it wasn't direct. It was more implied. It was one of those indirect comments. Difficult to call out, but... It was just one of those comments that you take away and you think about in the car on the way home or whatever, or on the tube. And you kind of think, where did that come from? Um, that was a bit out of place. There is a social stereotype that jobs in engineering are predominantly filled by white male candidates. And it's not just racism that people face in the industry. And then about three or four years into my Atkins career, I was handing over a project and I had an accident in a hotel while I was handing over the project. And I broke my spine in two places, which left me with a permanent disability that I've still got today. The discrimination of people with a disability is also still prevalent today. Sometimes it's purposeful, but even if it's unconscious, it's noticeable. You know, an irony is, as a disabled individual, when I do have to use public transport to go somewhere, I'll get on the train and I'll sit down and I'll have my crutch next to me. 
um, and often smile at myself in inside my head because nine times out of ten, the very last seat on that carriage that gets taken is the one that's next to me because I'm the disabled person. <laughs> so people would rather stand than they would come and sit down next to someone who's got a disability. And that's not everybody. That's not to say everybody acts in the same way, but it is quite noticeable. To put this into perspective, of the 14.6 million disabled people in the UK, a third feel that there is a lot of disability prejudice. That's almost 5 million people just in the UK. But why does the inequality felt by minority groups matter to companies? Kyle Kellogg, Senior Office Engineer for Atkins, runs their LGBTQ plus network in the US. He said, The world is changing. It's changing very quickly. And we, as a company, you don't want to be a dinosaur. You don't want to be 20, 30 years behind. You don't want to be, have a culture of people that feel um, put down, bullied, unworthy, insecure. You want a culture of people that feel empowered, positive, grateful, happy, encouraged, supported. At its core, being an ally is about support. A willingness to learn about the struggles of people different to yourself. Take them on board and be an advocate for those people's rights. This idea of allyship is an important part of a healthy business culture. Atkins set up programmes and staff networks to support colleagues and provide a safe place for conversation and questions. Groups for colleagues with a disability, for those who are from a minority ethnic background, LGBTQ communities, women, colleagues who are neurodivergent, people of different faiths, and of course, all of their allies. And these aren't just for members of the minority groups. They're also for other employees to join, encourage their colleagues, and learn to become better allies. Fostering understanding. It isn't something that comes out once or twice a year when you post Black Lives Matter or Yay for Pride Month on your social medias. It's an active, ongoing consciousness of the needs of others and how you can help them. For some, allyship in a company can look cynical merely hopping on the bandwagon of corporate messaging, a simple way to boost their image using social issues. For others, it's seeing that a company is willing to encourage them, validation that they won't turn someone away because they're part of a minority group or because they might need alternative solutions or assistance. These discrepancies can be confusing, and here's Jake again. Yeah, so immediately after the accident, I was off work for nine months, Lots of time in hospital, lots of time um, trying to get rehabilitated. You know, um, at one stage they were kind of saying, I'm not sure if you'll be able to walk, but I can walk. I, I just use a walking crutch as it were to help me get around. So it stops me falling over anyway. Jake describes the experience as being eye opening and how they helped him at a time when he was concerned about the security of his job. But actually, you know, the, the company was really supportive. They were keen to help me through my rehabilitation. They were very supportive in terms of flexible working when I did return to the office. You know, long before the pandemic, I'm quite regularly working at home one or two days a week just to take the pressure off having to go into the office and commute all of the time. So they've been really supportive all the way through. But one of the most important things for Jake was how Atkins moved forwards from his accident 
18 years ago. They wanted to understand how the accident happened. Subsequent to that, they put in place a central booking function. So all of our hotel bookings are now handled by a company that works with us. They pre-vet all of the sites from a health and safety perspective in addition to the quality of the accommodation. Those things weren't in place before. You know, the, the, the companies also put in place various policies that support employees who are no longer able to work either because of a life-changing condition or because they have some sort of ailment and that cuts their career short. Part of building an inclusive culture is to encourage people to talk about what their requirements are, whether that's extra time to complete a task or a bigger monitor. We encourage that. We encourage people who have any sort of special requirement to be honest and open about it. And the company will pay for those additional bits of support that that individual needs. I need a special chair because of my disability. The company invested a lot of money in a chair that supports my back properly. When we all started working from home, the first question that was asked was, do you want us to send that chair to your house because you're working at home? It's all about recognizing the strengths that individuals of different backgrounds um, affiliated to different groups with different conditions. How the diversity of our employee base really can come together to help develop our thinking, create more innovative solutions for our clients that are more inclusive and accessible as a result of that. And Jake says that they create more innovative solutions as a result of this kind of flexible thinking. The company is also taking steps to help other organisations improve their own allyship efforts. One of the contracts they're currently working on supports the Department of Transport's Station Accessibility Programme. Their audit examines the accessibility features of all 2,600 railway stations across the UK. They're considering the ease of use for wheelchair users, people with visual impairments and people who are neurodivergent. They're questioning how people navigate through a station whether there are facilities to meet their needs. This audit will help determine what investments are needed with future funding. So those kinds of things are really, you know, great to be involved with. Showing that we can help shape the future of transport, make it more accessible, open it up for individuals. And the thing we all share is a passion for wanting to make a difference you know, wanting to change things, but wanting to deliver the best in terms of what we can in in the built environment for our clients and customers, um, but also to help that pride that you get from seeing a project through to completion, from knowing that you've helped make a difference to the external world. And on that train of thought, what about outside the UK? Jake recently gave a presentation about allyship to the Indian and global senior leadership teams. Having that conversation with my colleagues in India, they have a slightly different origin in terms of their starting place. 
the approach in India to um, LGBTQ plus issues is is very different to how it is in the West, and they still have a bit further to come along the journey in terms of reaching the same level of acceptance that we have in more westernized countries. But their acknowledgement in terms of the fact that they do have somewhere to go, their conversation in terms of sharing experiences, you know, colleagues who are homosexual, colleagues who are lesbian, were quite willing to have that conversation in the dialogue I was having with them. But they were also quite willing to share what it's like to be a part of that community in a society where generally those things are not accepted. Similar to this, at the global leadership presentation, the differences in progress were really highlighted to Jake. We're all at different stages on the journey, but the overriding message I had from all of those senior leaders is they want to promote benefits of diversity from whichever part of the world they're from, recognising the strengths of others and the importance of having a diverse and inclusive workplace culture. So all good stuff, really good things. Kyle, who leads the Atkins LGBTQ plus network in the US, came out in a very different environment today. When I came out at 16, STEM careers for a gay person were very intimidating. They were very masculine driven, they were very conservative. And I didn't let that bother me because I, I knew that that's what I wanted to be. And I was very luckily, lucky to go to a very embracing and very artistic high school that I felt very empowered and supported by my peers while I went there. And I feel that I was able to carry that on throughout my life. And I've always had those experiences to lean on when things have gotten tough, but other people did not. And so it was very important, not just to me, but to several others that were out and loud and proud that we go ahead and start this group to support the people who, who do not feel comfortable. I think I've always got that voice in my head from when I was 16 years old and having teachers tell me that you are, you may be different, but you are loved and you are absolutely part of this classroom. I think that was really important. And I think especially earlier generations didn't have that. I think earlier generations didn't even have the option to be out in high school. Um, that's still, you know, for even my generation, that was kind of rare. But to have that ingrained in me at such an early age, I think was very vital. Even with these positive experiences, Kyle has had some negative interactions working with companies external to Atkins. Them objectifying to who I am as a person. That has not occurred for me at Atkins, but it has occurred working with people from other companies. This issue is still rampant. And just because we're doing a great job at Atkins does not mean that other companies are. Kyle attributes this to having ingrained equality, diversity and inclusion efforts. With various emails and meetings, it ensures employees can feel open to discussion and holds them to higher standard. With this, Kyle says, I think it's very easy to have the support you need when you're a minority. 
But what do these groups do? How exactly do they help employees? So we get together about once a month. We have a meeting where we discuss uh, different issues within the company. We plan for exciting events for Pride Month. And we also um, host different seminars, workshops uh, that dis further discuss EDI. These meetings occur about once a month, but we also have additional throughout the month. And we use Microsoft Teams and we are constantly chatting amongst ourselves. This new group, who started last September, already have big plans in place for Pride Month this year. Oh, I am so excited for Pride Month. So as a company, we've been uh, marching in pride parades in the UK for a few years now. But as a company, this will be our first time marching in a pride parade here in the United States. And we will be marching in the St. Pete Pride Parade. And I cannot begin to tell you how excited I am to be part of that. Uh, we will also be marching in pride parades in Canada as well. We created new pride-related uh, Teams backgrounds for Microsoft Teams. We changed our logos. Uh, this is the very first time that the company has changed its logo to reflect Pride Month. And we also have quite a few communications coming out telling our employees about Pride Month, how it was started, and how it impacts uh, its LGBTQ staff. You might remember us mentioning earlier the issues with corporate messaging to foster a more positive company image. We were curious about that too. So we asked Kyle why he thinks this is so important for Pride Month and the impact that celebrating this has. I think that there's, there's quite a few pros to this. And first off, it supports the staff that might not know that it's being supported. The staff members that are not out, the staff members that might not feel seen or heard, have now the ability to see a picture of our company marching in a pride parade, being seen, being heard. It also does something else great, which is it helps us to continue to recruit more like-minded people that fully believe in our EDNI message. So that visibility at Pride Month really has quite a few uses to it. It's just very important that we are seen and that we are heard. When asked about whether he believed other companies should follow suit, he replied, I do feel that every company should, but unfortunately not all companies are. We are seeing just mass numbers of people leaving their jobs and switching careers just worldwide across every industry. So it's very important that companies do whatever they can to retain the employees that they have and to go ahead and recruit new ones. And it's only by having those conversations can you create an environment where those things are accepted, where people are willing to talk, they're willing to listen, they're willing to make workplace adjustments so that you can deliver your best and you can bring your best to work. And, you know, the commitment we have to that as an organisation to ensure that equality and support is felt throughout the company, they make use of a mentorship structure. Kyle, or any member of the LGBTQ network, Equilibrium, can take a problem to this member and know that it will be escalated appropriately, and keep making progress to get sorted. And um, it, it is interesting because we're in so many different countries, SNC Lavalin slash Atkins, um, but in general, when I talk to people, it seems like we all have a very similar experience, which is, 
you know, we are supported and we have leadership that really hears us and listens to us. And, and that's a good feeling. The culture being fostered in the company is one of communication and understanding. And this is important. Learning to stand up for others in the right way is important. Because quite often people in the workplace turn the other cheek. So our, our workshops are non-recorded, they are not taped, and they are a place where employees can discuss a variety of topics and feel safe doing so. Our workshops in Equilibrium are a place where people from all backgrounds can come together and ask questions in a safe environment regardless of whether they're LGBTQ plus staff, allies, or people who are just seeking additional education in the topic. This all got us wondering what success looks like in these conversations, what a positive step actually is. First, Kyle says to adopt the principle of charity. I think intent is always key, and I think as long as someone's not being blatantly homophobic, I think it's best to give them the benefit of the doubt when in a workshop and when in a safe space that is meant to be a place to ask difficult questions and to discuss difficult topics. Unless someone is being truly blatantly homophobic or offensive, I give them the benefit of the doubt. And I know just from experience that when I'm discussing a topic such as any sort of topic related to LGBTQ community, I may not be able to convince them 100% of my argument. But there's, it's near impossible that I didn't influence them 1%. 1%s add up over time. So I was a 1%, someone else is a 1%. All those 1% start adding up to 100%. Rome was not built in a day. I'm not going to change someone on 100% in one conversation. But one conversation might get them to come to the table again and again. And they might be willing to hear me out continually. And maybe they might change my mind too because I'm wrong all the time. And that's important that it's not just me speaking. It's someone else too. And their opinion is important as well. It's not just about equilibrium and it's not just about my opinion. Jake says that a lot of progress has been made in equality, diversity and inclusion in a short space of time. Having that understanding and being an ally to that network means you can step up to it. But not only that, you can encourage and demonstrate to others that anybody can be a good diversity ally. You don't need to be part of a particular group. You just need to have an understanding done your homework, do your research, and then get out there and support whichever group it is you feel affiliation to. Atkins is showing that allyship, equality, diversity, inclusion is something that everyone can do, every company can achieve. It allows a business and its employees to flourish. It's a topic that isn't just for minority groups. It positively impacts the company. And it makes a difference to people's lives. We have to remember, a company is not just its business, it's a community, made up of individuals that all have their own thoughts, feelings and lives. I think equality, diversity and inclusion cannot be built without connecting. 
and connecting not just with staff that agrees with you on that subject matter, but connecting with the staff that might be skeptical or might not have been educated in that subject matter. We have the ability to influence and change our company for the better, and there's nothing more empowering than that. Engineering Matters is a production of Reby Media. This episode was written and hosted by Jane Sophia. Co-hosted by me, Alex Conacher. Sound engineering by Ross McPherson. Series supervision by John Young. And our own proud ally is Rory Harris. Special thanks to our episode partner, Atkins, part of the SNC-Lavalin Group. And thank you for listening. You can find Engineering Matters on all podcast apps, on Facebook, on Twitter, and on LinkedIn. And don't forget to check out our website and sign up to our newsletter for the latest engineering announcements and developments from around the world.